Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station, a place to sit back and relax while waiting for your train to board. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. The goal here at the depot is to help you strengthen your own practice of leadership, no matter where you serve. Every episode will give you not only the background theory, but some practical tools that you can use right away. Great Ridge Station is a service of Great Ridge Group, LLC. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. This is Season 1, Episode 2, Is Our Leadership Practice Improving? Part 2. So when we last met, I shared with you the big question, is our leadership practice improving? You see, this is a troubling question for me because I'm in the business of developing leaders. I think that students who graduate from our programs are well equipped for the task ahead of them. But I will also admit to a little bit of personal bias in that assessment. The program that I lead at Bethel University in the graduate school had its start in the mid-1990s as the Master of Arts in Organizational Leadership. It's now the Master of Arts in Strategic Leadership. I'm the fifth program director, and I'm really honored to be able to do what I love to do. In my tenure, I've tried to consistently raise the bar on our academic standards and on the skill set that our graduates take with them into their spheres of influence. So when I hear stories about bad bosses, the snarky side of me wants to say, send them to me and I will fix them. Okay, I actually said that a couple of times, but that was a lie. See, to use a line from the 1981 film Chariots of Fire, you can't put in what God's left out. You can't just send people off to an academic institution for us to smartify them and they come out at the other end all polished and refurbished. There are a lot of reasons for that. First of all, it assumes that the bottom line issue is education. I'm not sure it is. Okay, that was very Norwegian of me. Let me own my opinion and say it this way. The bottom line issue is not education. Information by itself can give you all sorts of new strategies to act on and ways to do better at your role, but it doesn't necessarily change who we are. And our practice of leadership these days doesn't integrate the aspects of know about and care about. That's why in episode one, I asked you to consider whether leadership is something we do or something we are. I think if we're honest about this, the answer is yes. This is an important Sam side note. I'm not a big fan of dichotomies, that is, playing two opposing points against one another. When we hear a dichotomy like art or science, labor or management, Republican or Democrat, we see those terms as defining the field. And generally, it's an either-or. Now, people will try to moderate their stance by saying, well, I fall somewhere in the middle. And to that, I say impolite words. See, here's the problem. Dichotomies never define the whole situation. For instance, in the labor versus management dichotomy, there's no room for entrepreneurs, no room for innovation, no room for those outside of the traditional economic structures, no room for the self-employed, no room for the consultant, no room for collaboration. In fact, no room for kindness and common courtesy. The media would tell us that we are deeply divided as a nation, and... 
I'd encourage you not to believe that lie. Recent elections have shown a 50-50 division between votes cast for Democrats and votes cast for Republicans. Contrary to the media pundits, that does not back up the idea of a country deeply divided. In fact, it suggests a country with an incredibly balanced diversity of opinion. There are folks who voted Republican but were uncomfortable with it. There were folks who voted Democrat who were equally uncomfortable with it. Instead of division, let's look instead at the diversity of viewpoints represented in our political frame. I'm sorry, I made a commitment not to make this a political platform, but that's particularly relevant to this topic. You see, a fellow named Dr. Dennis Schwant coined the term sense-making to describe our need as individuals and as leaders to figure out things and identify the deeper meaning in what we do. His approach requires more than just a knee-jerk reaction, such as labeling our current status as divided. It requires much deeper mental and emotional work. He chose the term sense-making and explained that it included the rational mind, as you would expect, but it also included the less tangible aspects of our understanding, that area of feelings, emotions, and a gut sense of how things are and how things ought to be. We can't make sense of things if our rational mind and our guts are out of whack with one another. You have to have the technical skills to accomplish your goals, but you have to be personally and emotionally invested to make that happen. Without the core of who you are involved, you got squat. As one of my mentors years ago put it, God made us human beings, not human doings. That's another one of those aphorisms that sounds totally dorky when you first hear it. But the more you think about it, the more it rings true. God made us human beings, not human doings. Have you ever noticed that there's not a leadership app on your phone? There's a reason for that. Life is messy. According to Bloomberg News, one of the greatest challenges to self-driving cars is the unpredictable aspect of snow and ice. Being able to read the conditions, respond to them, and recognize what's happening on the road in real time has been a difficult problem for programmers to resolve. You see, that's why there's no leadership app. People are messy. Situations are unpredictable. Emotions show up at work, and stress causes us to respond in ways that maybe we don't want to respond. If leadership was simply a set of behaviors that people could just do, then our work would be a whole lot easier. Let me give you an example from my own life. A few months ago, my mother-in-law passed away. Now, anything you've heard about sons-in-law and mothers-in-law does not apply here. I loved my in-laws, and for years they were a constant source of unconditional love, support, and encouragement. When she passed away, just two weeks after her diagnosis, I went into mourning, and it took me months to get through all of that. This was not easy for any of us. A few months later, I had two colleagues take me to task for a couple of things that I had let slip through the cracks. One was a communication issue. I had assumed that certain people already knew certain things. And the other was a commitment issue. I had committed to do a couple of tasks and had not followed through in my usual way. Thanks to the honesty of these friends, they were able to tell me the truth and help me see some things that I was not aware of. See, that demonstrates the problem pretty well. If there was such an app for my own self-leadership, it would have alerted me to these breakdowns and put me back on track.
If my friends had such an app, they would have simply told me what to do, and the problem would have been resolved. But that wouldn't have happened. You see, I needed some compassionate diagnosis, not a set of tasks to implement. I needed someone to talk me through the reasons that I had made a couple of unusual mistakes. For them, and for me, the core factor was not leadership practice, but leadership character. Seriously, one of the people who took me aside was one of my direct reports. And it's not everyone who can take their boss aside, take them to task, and say, Hey, Sam, you're being an idiot. Now, of course, they said it in a much nicer way, but they did get their point across. See, that was good leadership in a textbook example of leading up. One of my favorite books in recent years is Richard Sennett's book, The Craftsman. He goes on in some length to state that he means craftsman in the non-gender specific use of the term. Now, in the book, he makes the observation that any craft, including leadership, makes personal demands on us as practitioners. He makes the point that throughout history, to become skilled required personally that one be obedient. You see, when my friends called me out, I could have responded in other ways, but I had to put my pride aside and take their counsel. In Senate's words, I had to be obedient. But we all know that leadership is difficult. But why is it when the pressure's on that we so quickly go back to our default settings? Worst of all, why do we do that when we know better? See, my argument that leadership practice is not improving is mostly because it's hard work and it requires obedience to what we know and to what others might say to us. It's easier for us to manage our behaviors and get acceptable results than it is to change from the inside out and let our heart and character shape the change in our behavior. That requires obedience to the best practices of the field, but it also requires obedience to the virtues and values that shape our heart. Oh, carp, I can feel another sidebar coming on. This falls under the category of I can't help it. So when I use the word heart, I want you to hear it as I mean it. It's not always easy, but here are some details. See, in contemporary culture, the heart is the seat of our emotions and the source of all those mushy, lovey feelings. That's not what I'm talking about. In ancient Jewish thought, you might know it as Old Testament thought, the attitude was very different. The heart is the core of who we are, not just emotionally, but rationally, socially, functionally, spiritually, and personally. It is best understood as the inner person rather than the outer public persona. Now, if you know yourself well, uh, you know that what goes on on the inside impact what goes on on the outside. You can't separate them. Jesus made the observation that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Put in other terms, whatever is burbling about in your inner person will eventually find its way out, whether you do that through what you say or what you do. See, you can control the outside to some extent, but ultimately the inner person is going to show through. Senate's idea of obedience, then, is not only about the external, but it's about the shaping of the internal. So, I hope you find that helpful. 
Those ideas about the heart are exactly why leadership development fails if it focuses primarily on actions and behaviors. It ignores the source of those behaviors. Uh, James K.A. Smith, in his delightful book, You Are What You Love, says that we are motivated by the things that we love most, and that those loves can be focused in the wrong direction or the right direction. He takes an Augustinian approach and says that we need to be aware of what we love and we need to learn to love the right stuff. His argument is that we are driven by something. Leaders need to be driven by a desire to lead well and not just a desire to get good results. That core of who we are is something we need to think about as we're developing our own leadership abilities. As I did in the last episode, I want you to ask again. Ask yourself, is my practice of leadership improving? I'm not trying to be difficult. Okay, well, maybe I am. But are you focusing on the aspects of yourself that can have the greatest impact on your leadership? Do you know what those things are? Well, I have a quick list. Things like your strengths, your own self-awareness, your emotional intelligence, your organizational awareness, your learning style. How about your working style? your collaborative strengths, your character and your trust, and yes, even your heart. See, I'm going to have more to say about each of these in future episodes, but right now I want to leave you with this. If your leadership practice is not improving, ask yourself if you are being obedient to the things that shape your practice and to the things that shape your heart. See, without both, There's a leadership failure looming on the horizons of your life, your work, and your places of influence. In short, if our leadership practice is going to improve, it's going to have to be up to me and you to make that happen. It's easy to whine about the fact that maybe our leadership practice isn't where it needs to be, culturally. But you know what? Making a difference, bringing leadership up to the level where it does need to be, that's something that only you and I can accomplish. We have to commit ourselves to personal responsibility, stepping up, and making a difference. And it involves really good leadership practice, but it involves really good leadership character. And if we're not willing to do that, then we only have ourselves to blame for the shortcomings in our culture, our communities, and our organizations and workplaces. See you next time. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. As the train boards and rolls on to its next destination, we hope you found your time here helpful. Consider what you've learned and what strategies and practices you can implement right now. If you have leadership questions that you'd like us to address, we'd love to hear from you, and you can find the questions link on our show page. We can't answer everything, but we'll watch for themes and big-picture questions and get to as many as we can. All content is developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson with appropriate citations of outside sources. Our sound engineer is Brick Martin. All background and bumper media is in the public domain and retrieved from archive.org. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. The closing music is from Annunzio Montavani, Skyscraper Fantasy. Limited opportunities are available for supporting sponsorships. Contact information is available on our show page. I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Great Ridge Station. Bye-bye.